Really at Jam City, we want to treat the players first and foremost. We really care about their experiences. That comes down to ad quality and what type of ads they're seeing. So we want to make sure that the performance is there. A waterfall management does take a lot of time. The big drawback is the back and forth with networks, obviously the uh, analysis behind it, and not always is the juice worth the squeeze, so to speak. That was Kyle. Kyle is the Senior Director of Ad Monetization from Jam City, and he uses IronSource's platform to automate his monetization and grow game revenue. That is time that is really maximized and could theoretically be a 50 to 100% to 2x increase in overall ad revenue. Theoretically, Level Play just automates a lot of that. That is a huge time sink for a lot of our teams. Want to grow like Jam City? Get the SDK on ironslc.com. That's ironslc.com. We all know it. Mobile marketing is going through a paradigm shift. With the industry moving towards a more aggregate way of measuring marketing efforts, marketers' ability to measure and understand the impact of their marketing investments is further curtailed. AppSlyer, though, is not sitting on the sidelines. The company has set a goal to help their customers and the entire mobile ecosystem to successfully navigate the new era of mobile marketing. And that's where AppSlyer's latest product, the incrementality solution, comes to play. It's a product that truly empowers marketers to gain a better understanding of the real value that their marketing efforts hold. AppSlyer's incrementality solution is built around remarketing. It simplifies the process of designing, executing, and analyzing incremental lift tests at scale, which previously was something that only the biggest players on the market were able to do. With, with incrementality, marketers can focus on the end goal of their test without actually having to worry about the heavy lifting that comes with it. To learn more about incrementality and to read the success stories from publishers like Kabam, I suggest you head out to appsliers.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Twig126. We got myself, Joe Kim, Mishka Katkoff, Adam Telfer, and Eric Chris. And we're, I don't know, what's going on, guys? <laughs> I know Eric's a little triggered this morning, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> I haven't even had my first cup of coffee, and I'm already on fire. But I think I, I, I literally spent the last two hours like writing this stuff today, and I I'm, I'm starting to realize this is taking a little bit more time than I wanted to. But uh, but anyway, it, there's a, there, there are lots and lots of triggering episodes this week, finally. <laughs> that I, I need to get off my chest in a big way. Um, but we'll get, we'll get to all that. And uh, yeah, otherwise, everything's good. How about yourself, JK? I heard the, uh, the Roblox episode was... Uh was was uh <laughs> was amazing i haven't listened to it i don't play kids games but i probably should all right well do you want to just get into it right away yeah, let's go <laughs> yeah i can go give Look, me a summary <laughs> i don't want to be crude here but joe Ferenz is seems like a very very nice guy but literally he, he was nice licking Matthew Curtis's butt the entire time he was on this podcast. I mean, I have never seen a discussion that was so positive about a platform in my life. Like he felt like more of an evangelist than a game developer. I, it was really well, hard is, to listen he, to. He, he is an evangelist though, right? I mean, he's trying to evangelize, work, jumping onto Roblox and developing stuff. But what questions but, should I have asked? If To your point, Eric, you're, you're saying it was too much softball. What, what should I have asked? No, you should have asked him. Is like, what happens when the big guys come in and get better terms than you do? What what are you gonna do? 
like they get 30, 70 or 70, 30, and you're getting 30, 70. How does that make you feel? You know, like, well, that's, what's going to happen. That's right. No, I I don't think that's going to happen. That's going to happen for sure. (laughs) You know, you think, I doubt uh, that, but well, whatever. Yeah. I mean, the fact that the the rudimentary type tech, the tech debt that they have that, you know, how do other competitors, you know, compare from a technology perspective? I mean, there's like, dude, I, 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 but it was also like the, the guy is a is a salesman, dude. He's like a total like you know entrepreneur. Like he's he's brilliant. Seems at that right. Like again, he it was like a hype train podcast. It was like the hyperbole <laughs> was at fucking eleven, dude. Like it was like I was like it was unbelievable. I don't even think Curtis could have written a script like that. Like it was insane, you know. And the the best one was he's like. I recommend, I recommend if you want to make a Roblox game, take 1,000 hours of playing, 1,000 hours of talking to devs, and you might disp- might start to speak French of Roblox. It's going to be the YouTube and TikTok combined of games. I'm like, what? it was pure gold, dude. I can't make that shit up, dude. That, that like, is brilliant. And I think that was totally off the cuff, too. So the guy, I, I have to admit, the guy, I, I, I got some bad respect for him. Anyway. But okay. Well, if you want to ask him some be- hard questions, Joe Ferenz, you're welcome to jump on here if you want to get some hard questions from Eric. I know. But he shouldn't be a game developer, dude. The guy should be going around in cities, setting up tents and saying, hallelujah, praise be Jesus. I mean, Roblox, right? Like, bring him in. You know, bring him into the crowd, right? It's crazy. It was crazy. Uh, I, I one of my one of my friends was listening to the podcast and he started talking shit about it. I'm like, I didn't listen to it. And then I started listening to it. I'm like, oh my god, I totally know what you're talking about. This guy is insane. Anyway, good for him. <laughs> He's doing well. <laughs> He's in the right spot. <laughs> All right, maybe just rolling into updates. I've got two quick updates for myself. First, PUBG Mobile uh, has generated more than five billion in lifetime revenue, according to Sensor Tower, with more than half of that from 2020 alone, hitting roughly 7.4 million in revenue every day of 2020. And on top of that, the game has now crossed 1 billion downloads. So definitely PUBG is just killing it. Second update for me is I just want to give one more shout out to Brett Novak and Katie Couple of the Creators at Work podcast. If you are a product manager working in free-to-play, and you're not familiar with Liquid and Grit or the Creators at Work podcast, definitely highly recommend it. By the way, you know, there's no commercial relationship with me and Brett. He's he's a friend, but he's just doing really high quality stuff. So I highly recommend that. What would be the episodes to to check out? I think I listened to one, like it was half of the episode. It I, I didn't it didn't catch on. Like what would be a good one? Probably his first episode. It's with this like really genius dude. I, I forget his name, but yeah, the very first one. That's probably really with you. Guy that he, uh... <laughs> Is that the episode with you? Like, God damn it, I knew this. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> that's, that's the Joe Kim episode, isn't anyway, it, right? But, might be, might be. Why? But no, I mean... The the cool thing about his podcast is you kind of get a lot of inside baseball and like how things work at Zynga and you kind of get the inside story of like, and he's very balanced in terms Mm -hmm. of like the stuff that worked really well at Zynga and some of the, some of the challenges that they've had. So I just don't think you can get that kind of content elsewhere. Right. But because he's worked there and he's got the great relationships with former folks at Zynga. And I think that if you are a PM, it, it really provides great insights. All right. I listened just to one with the hiring stuff and I kind of went half like it was it was interesting, but it was like something that works for his line of work where he has this. 
Listen to the ones where he talks to like former folks at Zynga. I okay. Think those are, okay. Those are all good. right. Well, that's good. Uh, all right. Uh, I have a couple updates. So I was <laughs> on YouTube. An ad came in, and that was the uh, the Warpath. It's the latest game from Lilith. And it launched yeah. globally. And I, so the ad started. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. A five-minute ad. And, you know, you can't skip for the first X seconds. And I was like, these guys are just stupid. And then I started watching the ad. I watched all five minutes. It was so good. <laughs> like, I understand that it's not for everybody. It was very, like, World War II. But, my God, like, that was maybe the best ad I've seen. Like, before that, I thought Clarium did the best ads. This one just hit the money. And I... And I I spent in Forex. I know what Forex is about. And I fucking installed that game. And I started playing just because they did such a tremendous job on the ad. And actually, the game is really good. So currently, after the soft launch, they are they, they launched originally in September 2020, only on Google Play, smart, you know, avoiding ATT and, and so forth. Scaled up in November, kind of running from there. Now they globally launched. So till the point where they start globally launching, they already made $3 million in net revenue. And um, I, I truly expect this to be one of the biggest Forex games. We're going to see how, you know, what the impact of ATT will be on these low DAU and high ARP DAO games. What's up, Eric? I No, I, I well, uh, well, two things. First, no. you can market all these games you want, right? But this is lipstick on a pig. Dude, the game is the same as every other game, it seems. I, I, I did download it and tried to play it. And I'm like, yeah. okay, I'm done, right? After like... 10 minutes it's not my kind of style so anyway so yeah great job marketing um i think this actually is a great case study potentially of any idfa deprecation or any issues with yeah. idfa once idfa gets locked in this week right yeah Shit, it was coming that. this week I, I got the att prompt when i installed the game how's that possible are you on a beta for it has to be a, i thought it was 14.5 no anyway, i got the point I, is I'm, I'm getting att prompt on everything like can we track you across multiple huh. Maybe it's like a Finland thing. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Okay. Yeah. Maybe they're pushing it out early. Yeah. Um, before. Anyway, whatever. So this will be a good case study and to see if they can scale the game exactly um, as fast as there's others after pre and post IDFA. So yeah. But, but the soft launch looked yeah. good. Six million stalls, fourteen million in net revenue on Google Play alone. Really fast soft launch. Like you can see, they really pushed the uh, the pedal to the metal. Probably with the with the whole IDFA deprecation coming in trying to launch this quickly. And I do have to say, like, you say it's all the same as every Forex game. No, they, it was highly accessible from the get-go. They, uh, the, the push on the story side, it was very much the sort of like a RTS mechanics put in, kind of faking you into, into um, enjoying the sort of a story-based RTS, no PvP, and I'm sure it will go crazy in a, in a couple of months as I'm playing this game. Um, I have another it's, game. It's the same game. No. Let's be real. Shout out to Lilith. No, no, <laughs> anyway. They're not all the same. Dude. There's a lot of stuff in terms of like Lilith events. Lilith is very good. Yeah. Yeah. That, that are different as well. But yeah. anyway. But watch the ad. Watch the goddamn ad. Lilith Warpath. Type that in YouTube. Watch it. And then make your choice. Anyway, second game that launched globally was Crash. <laughs> the ad has nothing to do with the game. That's, <laughs> that's, I know. That's, the, that's, that's what it's like, why do I need to watch that? Just play the game. No, it's a good, it's a great forex I'm not throwing salt. I'm saying it's a great forex game, but it's still a freaking forex game, no matter how fancy they get with the graphics. I mean, with the with the with mm -hmm. the marketing materials, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's the same as putting Schwarzenegger out there, you know, with the hmm. uh, with the uh, Machine Zone games. Like, <laughs> fuck this Schwarzenegger having to do with anything, you know? Oh, all, all right. right. 
Crash Bandicoot from King launched globally. Um, this is interesting to follow because King has previously not had any success in launching anything else really but Candy Crush or Saga games. So the last game they actually launched from King was in, two, in late 2018 and that was Candy Crush Friends. Since then, they have published in what I what I was looking at, they have published only one game and that was in early 2020. That was Knighthood by Midoki. But that was, um, I think that was some kind of a publishing deal, like the same thing that they, they did with Legends of Soul Guard. Um, yeah, it's a, the game is off to a very interesting start. So I was looking at the data. They have over 27 million installs. And just as with any runner, they have only about like 400,000 in in-app purchase revenues. So this is clearly a very much ad revenue driven game, just like, you know, um, what's the uh, Subway Surfer and, and all those type of game. Um, I don't know, CPM, post ATT, that's going to put a dent on their on their uh, business case for sure, at least to some extent. But I do, it, it's, it, I don't know, I, I kind of, I kind of understand why they would make this type of game because King is very good at publishing uh, games with broad appeal and they seemingly have a lot of challenges in, in publishing anything else that have a more niche audience. But it's still um, sort of a question mark, like what would they do a runner? Because these games clearly don't monetize so well. And we've seen King focus on these key franchises that drive significant revenue. So... I don't know. I don't know what you guys' opinion on this is. It's it was very puzzling to see them do a runner, um, yeah. Out of all the games, well, I personally like runners just because they're high reach, get a ton of organic installs, and very low cost to operate and maintain. But yeah, in terms of upside, limited. I'd say limited upside. So the only thing that I could think of in terms of if if this they're trying to make this more of a strategic launch is that maybe they just want to collect a shit ton of player data for, for ATT. But I guess you guys don't don't think that's the case, right? But that I was doubt. the only thing that I could think I of. Doubt. I doubt. I don't, I, I, no. I mean, no offense to King, but I don't think they're like, you know, that strategic and, and try, like they're very much focused on brands and, and looking at this game, it's very polished, very well made. I think it's been in development for a hot second. Look, no, that makes sense. I, I thought when you said hot second, it was like this was a fast no, strategic move. Like, no, no, this looks like it was time. a long Because <laughs> I'm sure they're obsessed over what like what genres could you go after with the Crash Bandicoot yeah. IP on the run. This makes sense if you're looking yeah. at it at that limited scale. But as Joe said, like the upside here is relatively low. So it's just it's just a reach play. Hopefully they can make some of this money back on ads, but uh, I, I just don't see a lot of room to grow in terms of live ops in this space. All right. Maybe I'm a simple man, right? But I, what, I, what I see is Bobby Kotick's like, look, King, you guys have been sitting on the same games for the last like six years, eight years, 10 years or whatever, right? Make a new game, you know, make something, right? Like do something besides freaking puzzle games. You know, that mints money, gives me, gives, puts money in my bank account. I get my $200 million bonus. But you guys haven't made a new game in eight, forever. So why don't you help support one of our core IPs on mobile? And build a runner, right? And Bobby doesn't know what runners do, right? And so this game's going to come out. It's not going to make any money, and they're going to fail, right? <laughs> that that's it. I mean, that, I mean, I'm a simple person, right? I mean, that's it. That's what the way it works. In order to get this greenlit, I'm sure they had to come up with some kind of cases. Like 
Like nobody. Well, I'm sure. And the case studies were ridiculous because no shoot. The only runner that's really well, that's not quite true. The only no runner has really made money on in-app purchases. Period. Even yeah. Subway Surfers, right? But Subway Surfers mints money in in advertising, well, I, right? Depends on how you define that. And now, as a guy who's seen data on three of the top ten runners, probably the only person in the world that has access to that data. I, I, only I, person I, in the wow. world. Yeah, quite literally. <laughs> You're so exclusive, dude. Oh my god. Oh hell. <laughs> I can I can tell you guys about runners. They do make some money on, on IAP, make some money on ads. I, again, it's exactly how we characterized it, right? Super high reach. It's kind of like if you have a great IP and good gameplay, it's kind of hard not to make money. But it's just like, what what do you mean by that? Scale when you say make money, money yeah. when scale. you say make money, you mean profitable? Like what yeah. what are the payback windows in in a endless runner? Well, I. Can't tell you the numbers, but oh come on, <laughs> you're the expert. You got you got all the data, man. What is this? Anyway, my uh, my uh, I guess my point is that the, the the scale of success that requires to move the needle at Activision or King is so high. This doesn't fit any. There's yeah, no bar. Well, that's like what this, I was trying to say. That's exactly geez, what I was trying to say. Like, 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 what kind of case? It, do you it, show? Okay. It's not even worth discussing. Although the quality of the game is good, I'm glad they're making something besides a freaking puzzle game. More power to them, but these games don't make that much money, and it's certainly not material for King. So moving on. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a very well-made yeah. game. Yeah. Like it, it looks, looks great. great. It yeah. does and, look good. And came at and, the same and, time and, with a Crash Bandicoot for consoles, right? So they're kind of supporting that way. That was out like a year really? ago, wasn't it? Yeah, and maybe maybe that, that was the original plan was that they were going to get them out at the same time to help support it. I don't know, mm -hmm. but we'll, we'll see. You're just talking about the next-gen version. Like the, the PS5 and Yeah, because I'm X seeing those ads being out. shown to me. So that's why I, I, I drew the other reference. You get all your news from ads now? <laughs> Warpath, <laughs> now Crash? Okay. You do. I know. I just got to direct Facebook ads whenever I need Visca to know something. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> Let me build your mobile strategy by looking at ads that come across my Facebook page, right? Anyway, all right. <laughs> Moving on. Um, all right. So again, this was a very triggering week for me for other reasons, personal as well as professional, <laughs> just to be clear. Um, so I have what I am calling the Eric quad rant. And I would have to actually say there's five, including uh, <laughs> including Joseph podcast about uh, you know, games fat or whatever the fuck that company was, Joe friends when, and his nonsense. OK, so the first thing. And I have to I have to tackle this head on because I know there are people out there saying Eric is a moron, right? Because EA just announced that they're doing another golf game <laughs> at the same time that Take Two is saying. And you're thinking to yourself, Eric said that building a golf game is a dumb idea because it's not a very big market. And how is it possible that two of the biggest publishers in the world make two AAA golf games? He doesn't know what he's talking about. And I said, I am doubling down. This is a freaking terrible idea. And on top of that, I actually had to do some research. I had to look into historical sales of PGA Tour and Tiger Woods. And these goddamn games never made more than 2 million. Actually, the one I saw only made 1.4 million units, right? So you guys actually put me to work, right? So let's do the math here for a moment. Just for a second. I apologize ahead of time. At 2 million units, you're talking about 100 million gross revenue, 30% goes to the publisher, I mean, the, the, the platform, 25% 20, royalty. Um, that gets you to about 53 million in gross profit. And then you talk about 15 million in marketing, which is a little high, 25 million in R&D, 
and maybe a little bit of overhead associated with the studio, which is a low estimate, frankly. You're talking about like $8 million in profit. Dude, that is mice nuts. That is absolutely irrelevant to anything. And this assumes 2 million units. And if you actually go to the highest unit that I ever saw in, in, for Tiger, you'd be losing money. All right, just to be clear. So what I think this is more of is like a FOMO thing. Again, EA is reacting to what's going on in the market. And they don't want to take two pissing in their pool, right? They, they, so they spin up a team and start building out Tiger, probably using old, uh, a new PGA game, but using old tech or whatever to compete with, with Take-Two's projects. I really don't have any idea, but it doesn't make any freaking strategic sense to make a, a PGA Tour. And, but it does make a little bit more sense than to sign up Tiger Woods, who is totally washed out and doesn't make any sense to have that license, right? The PGA license is more valuable than Tiger Woods, that's for sure. All right, that's the first one. The second one, Qualcomm is reportedly developing a Switch-like Android gaming device. Just stop. Okay, just stop. These hardware manufacturers have no business making anything to do with gaming. Just stop building gaming platforms. It takes years of preparation. It takes established relationships with developers. It creates, you need to create content. You need to create the service. You just can't will it into existence, you know? There's no chance of success with this, right? And and somewhat related, I got I got suckered into one of these LinkedIn panels last week. And this is what really set me over the edge, by the way. And they were talking about 5G and cloud gaming, right? And you know where this is going, right? Like it was like an old engineer from Verizon. It was a marketing guy from Qualcomm. And this guy from Bruce from Polystream, who's by far the smartest guy on the panel in terms of understanding gaming anyway. And the guy from Stadia didn't even show up, right? And this was like 5G and cloud gaming. And there's no one representing cloud gaming at all, right? They spent an hour talking about how great streaming service will be and how that it'll be enabled by 5G, right? And again, to be fair, Bruce from Polystream, really, really super smart and understood that you need to build the content to take advantage of the platform and not the other way around. You know, it doesn't work that way. You can't just build a, a, a platform and hope that 5G you know, can, can enable it, right? So let me just be clear. 5G and streaming have one thing in common. They are basically a product without a market right? They're, these 5G po folks have been pushing this 5G for years as a second coming, right? And they were using cloud streaming as the killer app. But without cloud streaming, there's no real other applications that make sense right now for 5G. You don't need this kind of bandwidth or, 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 or performance right currently. Now, that's not to say that the, the applications won't come out later. You know, autonomous driving, other shit will come that will take advantage of 5G. I don't have any doubt in that, but it's fucking not cloud streaming. Dude, cloud streaming is not going to work because no one wants cloud streaming at all, right? So again, these guys are all part of the hype train and their whole goal is to sell chips and sell services from Verizon and Qualcomm, right? It's their job. I get it. I'm not an idiot, right? But to create whole seminars right now after all these companies have basically died, it, about cloud streaming, it just doesn't make any sense. It's not a use, good use of anybody's time, in my opinion, right? And for, and for the record, 5G kind of sucks balls. I mean, I don't know about anybody else's experience. I'd love to hear it, but like, I, I've looked at the data. It looks terrible, right? It doesn't perform well. The bandwidth is not any better than 4G. And, and from personal experience owning a 5G phone, it just seems like completely completely useless technology right now. And again, not to say that five to 10 years from now, it's not gonna, there are gonna be amazing applications for it. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying cloud streaming is not it. They have nothing else to talk about. So they're still fucking doing seminars about cloud streaming, all right? 
All right, now the last next one. Oh my lord, <laughs> Nuzu is at it again, dude. Oh my lord, these guys are back, and they are back in a big way. Continually to talk nonsense about cloud gaming. The headline was that it's three point two billion dollars being driven by cloud gaming by two thousand twenty three, and I, and that was their base case scenario, right? They had like a five billion dollar thing in two years. Five billion dollars. They are out of their freaking minds, okay? Out of their minds, right? Now, I understand, they're trying to sell reports here, right? You know, and and, and they're making claim, sorry, I, they're trying to sell reports by the headlines and I get that, right? They need to do this, right? But their next claim is that cloud gaming is on track to be as transformative as mobile gaming. What are they talking about? What are they talking about? No one is building experiences for cloud gaming right now. Maybe 10 years from now, right? I mean, Roblox is a cloud gaming infrastructure, but they are building, they have their own platform, right? Anyway, so what I'm, I've been saying, and I've been saying this since the beginning, is cloud gaming was over before it began. It was a, a product without a market. But Stadia is done. EA is no longer pursuing. PlayStation Now is absolutely horrendous. Hatch is dead. Xbox Game Pass is just a feature, right? It's, it has nothing to do with the service. It's just a feature of the service. The shadow company went bankrupt. You know, the industry is littered with corpus, corpses, and these guys are pumping this thing up again, you know? And 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 the one thing, Nuzu didn't even have the decency to remove the shadow logo from their cloud gaming solution slide. I mean, at least they could have done, you know, show them some respect, you know, for the dead, right? So I, I don't understand where the integrity is here with Nuzu, you know? You know, but again, these stories are related in a lot of ways because they're basically building the reports for the big companies playing in these spaces, right? And and what what are they supposed to do? What are they going to throw out a report that says cloud gaming is dead and it's not going to grow at all for the next three years? I mean, how many units? How many would that actually sell, right? So, I, I get it. I get the business side of it, but I just these 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 reports, these panels, these. Headlines just make no sense in, in the world in which we're living right now. So I just want to be a public service announcement again. JK, you had a, had a notion before my last one. I was just thinking, do they is this serious research from them where they actually think this is going to happen? Or to your point, are they trying to sell reports? Or is this some form of like kind of like how we have regulatory capture by, you know, in, in politics and government? Do they have like, are there customers... Amazon, Google, whoever, and the guys that are paying them a bunch of money for research are saying, hey, push up this cloud gaming so we can justify the service. Something like that. I, I don't, don't think, know. I, don't think I mean, it, 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 does, uh, it does seem crazy. It's more like, uh, I, I think if there's anything like that, it's more like, you know, the, the big companies are interested in certain areas. And of course, they make a report where the interest is. And, I, but I don't. I doubt that it would be like, hey, guys. But where, where does this number come from? Like, where, where does the 5 billion, how does it get calculated? Is well, it just soft data asking like yeah, five I mean, friends? Or what is it? It I comes from yeah. where every research report comes from, right? From Batoks. <laughs> yeah, from out here, Batoks. Um, <laughs> I like the way I'm pronouncing that. Um, no, I mean, there... Uh, what what crazy is like people build use uh, business cases around these forecasts because there's not many people that actually go out there and try to estimate it right but it doesn't seem very bottoms up i don't even know how they're getting to the current number much less the number in 2 years you know and so i mean you have to buy the report dude maybe that's the whole thing right how in the hell can they fucking do this i'm going to buy this report because i have no idea <laughs> right i don't know dude 
Anyway, Eric, can you just start making a report that's yeah. just the anti-report? <laughs> here's here's how all those reports fared like, in the last year. Here's news news. Here's all of these reports how they actually did at predicting, and now here's their new one. Here's Eric's hot take. You know, no, I would pay I'd pay for that yeah, report. That would be a great report. NFG report. I did not. I did. I, I did not spend a small amount of time looking back to see what their prior forecast was for uh, cloud streaming going forward, but I, I couldn't find it. I don't know what, I don't know why. Maybe they didn't, weren't involved in the cloud streaming, you know, like insanity a few years ago. Um, but anyway, I, I but, oh, to, in, in new, new Zoo's defense, sorry, I, even though I hate the way they do forecasting, whether it be VR, AR, whatever, right, you know, putting, Pokemon Go and AR, that kind of thing. I, I get that. I mean, that's that's ridiculous, but whatever. They do have some good reports about the industry from a, a, a regional perspective, right? Country perspective, like how many gamers on PC. How many, look, that stuff is pretty good. I mean, it, it is useful, right? A lot, very useful. I just think that they get a little bit carried away with these, you know, syndicated reports or not syndicated. Sorry, these one-off reports on on. Anyway, all right. Moving on, because I could talk about this all day. Um, Eric, though, one, one point, though, like yeah. in terms of the Qualcomm thing, I think you may not, that may not be so triggering if you think that they did that just as a reference design, right? So that no, 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 they're not I, trying no. to actually do it. Sorry, I, I should have mentioned else. that. Yes. So NVIDIA does the same thing, right? Where they build yeah. like insane devices that are kind of a proof of concept so that people buy their right, chips right. and build the same type of devices. Totally, right? But it's the way it's talked about after the fact. Oh, wow, this is a great idea. You know, Android gaming, you know, with like handheld, you know, controls and all this stuff. I'm like, no, it's not. No one plays like that, right? Like that's not a game. That's not a device that's going to work. The only reason that Switch works is because it's Nintendo, right? You can't just build yeah. a Switch and then hope people will come <laughs> with content that's going to make it work, right? I, yeah. I, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. Proof of concept. These guys are selling chips and tech and all this other stuff. They got to do what they got to do, right? One of my buddies works for Samsung and kind of does the same idea. Anyway, um, but I just don't like, I just don't like these headlines. I just don't like the, the PR around it too, and people got to call bullshit on that. All right. The next one, and I am still a little bit baffled by this and I actually know Nexon pretty well. I know a lot of people that work there, but Nexon invests $874 million in Hasbro, Bandai Namco, Konami, and Sega Sammy. Now, for a little bit of background on Nexon, they are a freaking juggernaut, right? They have basically two games that make a gajillion dollars, right? They have Dungeon Fighter and Maple Story. And Dungeon Fighter, just to put it in perspective, I think makes over $2 billion in the world and, part of, and mostly in China, right? So these guys like mint money. Right. And they've been sitting on a pile of cash for like like EA for a decade. All right. They have like a four point eight billion and they've been trying to scale their business outside of these two freaking games for a decade. Right. And they've spent hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars trying to build this thing, thing up. And the only real success they had was uh, the acquisition of the, the uh, domination team, who a friend of mine worked at for a while. And um and they had this huge operation in Emeryville. They're making investments and doing publishing deals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But they just never really scaled beyond these juggernauts. So it's, I guess, similar to King in a way, but but it's kind of a bad, bad analogy. But anyway, the point is the board, rather than going for share buybacks or strategic acquisitions or all these other strategies that they could try to do or, or continue to try to build up another thing, the board authorized them $1.5 billion to invest in entertainment companies. And so it's like 
this is this is Mahoney's quote, and I know Owen like from uh, from EA days. Uh, but he says these in- these investments represent a good use of our cash in a low interest environment, and we are extremely pleased with the initial results. While lever- while leveraging partnerships was not a consideration in our investment decision, we are pleased with the dialogue that has ensued with these companies. So let me get this straight. Is Nexon now like a hedge fund? Like they're they're making investments like long only, like long short, right? Are they going to build like an infrastructure of P- <laughs> product portfolio managers to manage their their balance sheets now? I mean, it's crazy, right? You don't build, you don't use the balance sheet of companies to invest in publicly traded companies. Like that's bizarre in me, in my view. Strategic investments, yes, but these had nothing to do with strategy. This was all about just making an investment in these companies. And I, I guess it could come. I guess Owen kind of ran out of ideas, right? They're sitting on all this cash. They got to put it somewhere. So let's invest in some of these 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 IP companies. And and by the way, as an analyst, I don't know if I'd recommend these companies, right? I, I, I mean, Hasbro, Bandai Namco is doing okay, but Konami and Sega, I mean, they are struggling, right? I think. Anyway, I don't know, but I, you know. I also definitely wouldn't start investing in these guys at the top of the market, right? This is like not the right time to start making these type of strategic investment. But you know, now that he's a hedge fund, maybe he should give me a call and we could I can help uh, consult, right? You know, self promote like everyone else on this podcast. I think the trick is, or not the trick, but the insight is when Owen says, you know, low interest environment, right? Because effectively, risk free rate is zero. You know, I mean, what if they're sitting on cash and if they don't do stock buybacks, then what else are they going to do with all of that cash when you know buying bonds? The real return no, on that I, is negative. I, no, but I, then but but you should be growing your business. You shouldn't be investing in others. That, well, the, the assumption in is terms that of you're those companies. Cap- in terms of those companies, I will say that they they all have IP, right? So to the no, extent no, I get that- it, but. You're basically saying that our use of capital is better at other companies than it would be in our own. That's kind of what well, you're telling if, Wall Street. Right. Well, I guess what I'm manage saying our cash better than we can manage our business. Or if you're saying that those investments potentially could help them with relationships, getting access to IP in a post IDFA world. But again, that was not the purpose of these investments. These were completely, they, they were buying on the public markets. Shoot. He went down to fucking Schwab and started investing in these names, right? He didn't, <laughs> he didn't there, there wasn't even a, okay. a, a arms length transaction with the companies. Like, you know what I mean? I mean, this is like, again, oh, it was like a saying. hedge fund. Yeah. yeah, it was a hedge fund going on the market and just buying shares from the open market, right? You know, it's just a really, really, I mean, it was just a vexing type thing. I mean, people don't do this, right? For the reason I just said, and this is cl- to be clear, is that you're basically telling Wall Street that our money is better used at another company to manage than it is to invest in our own company, right? That's what you're basically saying, right? And I agree with you. If it was actually tied to IP, then there's some right. there's certain value there. You know, you're initiating dialogue. Yeah, you're saying it said. wasn't. Okay. I, I, I no, it had nothing saying. to do with that, dude. Yeah. You know, he was using Robinhood, you know, just buying shares <laughs> on the open market, right? You know, pumping up the stock, right? And now he's making markets, right? <laughs> he's going to have no way. Anyway, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe, maybe this co- creates an amazing opportunity for them to leverage the IP of all these big companies, but uh, all these old school companies. But anyway. That's all I got for this time. Um, I think I'm going to shut up now and uh, get more coffee like I need it. But, so, so that was the update. That was just like a little teaser for the podcast, by the way. We're not even in the podcast. Yet. Oh, right. So yeah, many yeah, new sorry. That, was, that was my news story. Yeah.
<laughs> was that enough? Can we can we just do this every podcast? Or just the Eric rant section at the top? I don't think I have. Where we energy. just giggle in the background. It, it, it takes too long, and I don't have enough energy. Now I'm I'm gonna go to sleep. Right, I'm fifty, dude. Stay tuned, everybody. We're gonna take a quick commercial break to hear from our sponsor, Square Enix Montreal, and then we will be right back. So stay tuned. Hey everybody, if you've played Lara Croft Go, Hitman Sniper, or Hitman Go, then you know Square Enix Montreal. Guess what, guys? The studio is looking for top talent to create the mobile games of tomorrow today. Square Enix Montreal pushes the boundaries of AAA gameplay and stunning design for mobile screens, and the team there is working on three new games, including a game with augmented reality features and a game based on an entirely brand new IP. The Montreal-based studio has over 25 open positions, including executive producer, data analyst, and art director. So if you are looking for a new opportunity, you're going to want to visit semmtl.com slash DOF to find out more. Link in the show notes. Check it out. Welcome back, and let's start the news. Okay, let's start the podcast now. (laughs) Article number one, Rocket League is coming to mobile. Um, So there's an alpha available in Australia and New Zealand now. Um, It's targeting release later on this year. Um, Just note that this is not a Rocket League port for mobile. It is called Sideswipe because it's a side view 2D game. So the game is actually much more vertical. Um, it's a lot more, say, jumping on or focusing on jumping and boosting midair to bump into the ball so that it lands into the net. Pretty interesting. Um, it looks like they're reusing a lot of assets from the 3D version. So they have lots to pull from, lots of cosmetics, et cetera. And it looks like in terms of the economy, it's cosmetic only. So I'm speculating here, but I personally don't really see Epic or Psionics uh, doing ad monetization or doing any sort of like clash or eight ball pool style betting mechanics for this. It just, from the, the alpha footage, didn't look like there's any signals that they were gonna be doing this. Looks like a cosmetic focus. So my take on this, right? Based on that speculation, the game as it is, looks actually really fun. It looks like a 2v2 version of some of those PVP hyper casual games. Um, if you've ever played the game Headball, um, really interesting game, actually really fun to play. Um, this looks significantly more polished version of that. Great. Um, but overall, I'm pretty disappointed by the strategy. Um, I think it creating a completely separate dumbed down version for mobile is just not the right strategy here. Um, I'm personally disappointed that they couldn't figure out how to port the PC console experience over to mobile. Um, and looking back at their history, looks like back in like 2016, they did a GDC talk. Um, so thanks to Mike Doom from the DOF uh, Slack group for clearing me onto this. They already showed signs that their tech was pretty old. So likely true cross-platform would have been impossible. But still, like not a port, you know, like do a port with its own backend. Because I, I personally feel like the gameplay would have worked just fine on mobile, um, especially compared to League of Legends and all the other types of HD PC console experiences coming over. Um, but now we're ending up in a situation where they have a completely separate economy on mobile and they end up being tied down to their PC console monetization strategies and they're already capped, right? The only benefit is the brand on mobile, but that only goes so far, right? Like cosmetics and no betting, ad monetization forces them down a track where like now they basically are signing up for 10 cent level live content strategies from PUBG and COD COD Mobile 
in order to actually drive the cosmetic revenue, right? And I just don't see them come close to that, especially looking at their PC console pipelines. I just feel like they're going to struggle on mobile. Um, so personally, from this, I'm much more bullish about free-to-play PC console devs leveraging the existing progression and scale they have rather than creating a completely separate version that's tied down to that. Um, best example I have from this is Fortnite's initial revenue per download is initially much higher than any cosmetic-driven model, um, especially, say, COD and PUBG. And what's nice is that then those live ops actually leverage their existing content that they're creating versus COD Mobile and PUBG. They definitely overtake Fortnite over time, which is great, but that's due to Tencent's-fueled live strategy that actually has everything to do with the amount of cosmetics, amount of events that they're driving into that game. And not a lot of devs can split their teams and invest uh, in two separate teams completely like that. Hence, the ideal, leverage, leverage your existing live content strategy and rather than creating completely two different business units. So personally, I understand the complexity of being cross-platform. Submitting a build optimized for PC, console, mobile is massive overhead, but I just feel like you can be smart about this. So that's my take. What do you guys think? Would you create a brand new mobile experience or would you try to port or connect your existing game to the mobile? I, I think I have a different point of view on this one than you in some ways, but I, I think you actually said it already. You just said it in a different way. Like I'm not really too fond of racing games on mobile, as I've said many times, but this is actually maybe the way to do racing games, right? In, in some ways, like a uh, you know, very simplistic way and, and visual and, you know, 3d, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I, I actually kind of think it's a smart move to build something else on mobile uh, than the core gameplay. I think the core gameplay on PC is disorienting enough. I can't even imagine what it would be like on mobile. Maybe they could pull it off. But uh, I've seen games with very similar control screens. Yeah. Schemes work just fine on mobile. Like, really, you just have to worry about driving forward, turning left, turning right, jump, and boost. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. Right. And I you can automate some of those controls same sort of stuff they did on COD Mobile. Like it's, you're still looking at a double joy joystick and virtual D-pad or virtual joypad stuff, but it's really not that bad. Yeah, maybe maybe there's some tech debt there. I don't know. Maybe they, they just don't have the ability to do cross-platform in the way that you're describing. No, anyway, they definitely don't. Yeah, the, did like you say the, that the GDC talk, yeah. definitely. Okay. Yeah. So, so my point is this, is that like you leverage the brand, you leverage like kind of the core, core like, X, we used to call it at EA, of that brand, you bring it to mobile and you create a new experience. I think the only thing that they're not doing is embracing a new type of monetization scheme, like something like Golf Clash and Tennis Clash, et cetera, that, that could leverage that type of gameplay and, and, and do better, right? And they're, they're, they're not divorcing themselves from the cosmetic type economy that they're used to, I guess, with, 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 the, core, with the core PC game. And so if they were to do that, Maybe you wouldn't be as you know objectionable to them changing up the, the formula of the gameplay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. If they change their their live model for this yeah. and they went to a different monetization, yeah, then then this could work, right? Right. Okay. Well, I mean, but but, they didn't. Yeah, they didn't, and they won't probably because you know people get yeah. really like headstrong about being true to the yeah. you know consumer, et cetera. Yeah, but, but it, so if they're if they say, look, we have to do a cosmetic only economy, then from there I say, well. Ideally, then you're leveraging all the existing cosmetics you've created right. on PC right. console, right? Because, you know, you look at their pipeline there, it, it's not competitive at the same level as Fortnite. Right. And it just takes a lot of effort to develop that. And now you're all of a sudden creating a 3D game that demands all of these cosmetics in order to fuel 
any monetization and growth. Right. It's like, yeah, if they're going to go mobile, just go mobile, right? And stop, you know what I mean? Like, for this type of game. I'm really confused. Like, who is this game for? Like, is it for existing players? If it is for existing, I, I assume they would expect, you know, same kind of a experience. But this is very, very different. Is it for lapsed? Again, it's kind of like, well, here's a, here's not even watered down version, like a very, just a different game. And if it's for new players, like, I think they're expecting some kind of a game with Rocket League, and this is definitely not it. So it's kind of like a whole new game. And as you guys were saying, like, if you're making a, a totally new game, which has no connection to the previous one other than the name, then why would you have the same economy and, and same constraints as the, um, as, the, as the console Switch PC version? So uh, when, when I looked at it, I haven't played it. It looks pretty much the same kind of game as um, there's a Finnish company called Do Dreams, and they have a game called Drive Ahead. Uh, you know, the game has pretty high organics, but it pretty much monetizes fully through ad monetization. And Adam, you said this game doesn't have ad monetization. It's just, it's, it's really confusing. Like it's, it's always super confusing when you get these games coming in from a different platform, coming into mobile and kind of like trying to rewrite the rules and handicap themselves so significantly and also deliver a product that is just, you know, simplified to a point where it's not even the same product. So it, I, I'm just confused. I'm very, like, I looked at the first image and I'm like, this is not Rocket League. Like, why did you do just a port of Rocket League? That could have worked extremely well. JK? Yeah, I think for me, I wouldn't rule out the control. I, I know you guys kind of doubt it's the control scheme, but just because, and I, I haven't played Rocket League too much, but I just know that when I try to drive in GTA, <laughs> I can't drive worse shit. But in any shooter, it's fine, right? <laughs> can move around but like trying to drive but, but you you play you're making a shooter <laughs> on mobile <laughs> and you're saying control screen that matters here okay sure okay who knows you're full of lies just full of lies moving on <laughs> um all right moving on all right. to the next one league of legend wild rift open beta is out now in the americas on ios and android alongside version 2.2 really really bad uh, headline by the way anyway so lean in for this wild rift launched its first official closed beta in september which rolled out to players in philippines indonesia singapore malaysia and thailand so southeast asia the game has been slowly rolling out to other regions around the world including us which went live on march 29th which would be is it today that was yesterday Oh, yeah. Yesterday. yesterday. Uh, Wild, yeah. Wild Rift is coming to consoles, says this article, though that's far off in the future. Interesting. Uh, touch controls and slightly shorter oh. 15 to 20 minute rounds that suits phone gaming better than the standard league matches. Cool. Over 30 champions at launch and more are being added with, I believe, the cadence was set two champions a month. And uh, yeah, so that's that was the, the summary of, our, of the article. Let's go to my take. Um, when I look at the genre, it's, it's, it would be hard to say why you should be doing a MOBA. It's really, really difficult to make. It's very hard to operate and extremely tough to monetize. The content cadence with the champions and the lore takes out everything and monetization. It's always skewed, not skewed. It has to be fair because these games are competitive. So there's no power progression. Essentially you're monetizing through the characters and the character skins. The sessions are very, very long, and the accessibility, the, the entry barrier is extremely high. I always remember when I played for the first time, I, I think I played MOBA for the first time 
um, when I was given the uh, the demo version of Vainglory back in the days. <laughs> I was like, what is going on? Like all the item builds, like if you don't know what's like, if you've played Diablo, if you played those games before, and then you realize like it's it has nothing, like the core game has nothing to do. It's all about the items you build. And the guys are telling you that you should have like another screen open where all the different item builds, uh, item build strategies are, are you know, on for you to take and you have to decide upon them during the gameplay. Like it's an incredibly tough genre to enter. Now, the second issue is that MOBA, MOBAs have not really resonated in the Western markets. Like Vainglory didn't do too well. Fates Forever, I mean, that became Discord, so I think they're all good. Arena of Valor, um, that's the, uh, the Western version of Honor of Kings that is just minting money in the Asia, but just couldn't stand up on its own feet in the West. Mobile Legends Bang Bang sold for $4 billion. Again, that game is mainly big in Southeast Asia. Only 14% of all revenues are coming from the U.S., and when you look at the top 10 grossing uh, countries for arena for mobile legends, seven out of them are from our Asian countries. The latest victim of this MOBA catastrophe on mobile has been Marvel Super War. I don't know if you guys played it, but it launched globally around a year ago. <laughs> it had 50 million stalls. It was well made. 50 million stalls, all the Marvel characters, and it made fraction of a dollar per an install. So less way less than 50 millions. Uh, and, um, and of course, these are catastrophic numbers. You pay for the RIP, you, you pay f- to develop this very high quality game. It probably takes a long time to develop with all the, uh, the due process with adding all these characters. And, and you end up in a point where you just can't, can't seem to connect with new audience despite having, having this powerful IP with the characters that everybody knows. Um, but there's a counter to that, you know, League of Legends and Dota 2 are highly popular on PC and with the Western audience. And after a decade, we finally have League of Legends on mobile. So looking at Wild Rift, even though the article says that it's kind of now entering this open beta, I don't even know what that means. It's launching globally. It has been for soft launch in a, in a, for a hot second, meaning a long time, Adam. Um, it, it has already gathered 30 million installs before going global. It has... 30 million in gross revenue. And um, and and yeah, it's like when I look at the, the, so let's take a step back. When I look at the League of Legends franchise on mobile, the TFT and Runeterra got only 30 million stalls during the lifetime. And and um, I started looking at the analysis of this game through three different countries. Naturally, I picked first Finland uh, because this country is perfect representation of a Western European country with high-end devices and people who love to play mobile games. They ran a lot of ad campaigns. I saw them on YouTube constantly. <laughs> that's that's my main main news source. And um, and during this time, like after the game soft launch in in this in this country, they got thirty thousand installs and about twenty k in revenue. So zero point seventy five revenue per 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 install. Um, the U.S. has been a true outlier for this game. They have only 450,000 installs and 2 million in revenue, but that's probably because they haven't yet scaled, so I expect the revenue per install to go down significantly. The country that I was really looking at is, is what I'm trying to make a case is that, that MOBAs don't really do well in the West, but they do extremely well in, in Asia. So I was looking at Hong Kong, and in Hong Kong, it actually looks pretty good. They have 30K installs, 100K in revenue. But when you look at the revenue per download, it's going up steadily with every with every update. And it's already reached 10 bucks. So that's promising that this game has 
um, some kind of a future in Asia. But then I have to go back and ask a couple of questions. Like, who is this game for? Is it for lapsed League of Legends players? Is it for current League of Legends players? Is it for new League of Legends players? Is it for players who are new to MOBA altogether? Because I feel like Riot is is really, really late to the party. Like, it's not even funny how late they are to, to this MOBAs on, on mobile devices party. And I, I think there, it has something to do with, with internal conflict because they didn't want to do this game before, but they did then decided to do this game because we know that Riot has the capability to execute and ship games. They've done it quickly with Valorant. They've done it with Boonterra, with TFT. They can ship these games, but it's, it has taken them for a very long time. And looking at the overall, overall revenue per download, Wild Rift is currently on par with Arena of Valor uh, with the numbers it had when it launched and that game couldn't scale up in the West. So I think, you know, I think launch in China and in Asia could turn things around, but we know that, that it can easily take up to two years from now, even though the company is owned by Tencent to get the approval to launch in China. And then there's honor of Kings and that game, you know, makes regularly $200 million a month in, in China. That's insane. So to conclude, my humble opinion overall kind of for Riot is that I feel like they should t- be taking more risks with their games. Uh, you know, all the new games that they've made, TFT, Terra, Wild Rift, really polished, really well made, but they're kind of offering incremental innovations and they don't feel fresh in any shape or form. The games are more like Hearthstone with League of Legends or... Um, Dota Underground, uh, uh, what was the uh, what was the uh, predecessor of T? Auto Chess with League of Legends characters. And now we have kind of like Honor of Kings with League of Legends characters. So I feel like with, with a company that has League of Legends type of franchise that is making gazillion dollars every year, they would have, you know, more courage to do something very interesting and very new rather than copying something and just putting League of Legends on top of it with some incremental innovation. So... That's my rant on Wild Rift. Dude. Let, let me defend Riot for, for a little bit. So one, Honor of Kings is the number one game in the world. And I think that when you look at that genre, and if that's the number one game, there should be more competitors. I do think that the Mobile Legends Bang Bang guys, Moonton, they left at a good time. Uh, you know, I haven't played the game a lot, but of what I have played, it's really, really well polished. It's They did a really good job in terms of the game. It's better than mobile legends bang bang those guys got out at a good time (laughs) but and i think it will still share from the existing mobas out there but i'm like a delusional moba fan so i but so i think that while i hope that it does well in the west i mean obviously this the secrets to the success is is you know we've stated a number of times here is that it's going to be asia it's going to be you know it's going to be china it's going to be southeast asia and there how can they not make a ton of money? Well, you know what scares me about the data so far, though, is that we have like 2.6 million downloads in South Korea, and they barely made over you know three three and a half million dollars. Um, that's actually not good <laughs> because, like, those people spend like with reckless abandon. Maybe the depth of spend is not there. Maybe it's not even implemented the spending patterns because the data does not look good. Like yeah. they're making less yeah, than a but- dollar per download on a really real polished game, like games, even, even arena valor, I think, well, actually, I don't want to speak to that, but like, if it, if it, if it's a super hardcore MOBA, then people would be spending insane amounts of money 
early because they're early adopters, so it should be much higher, right? But well, what's the monetization inventory at day one? So it was, it was right because sometimes RPD can be like rev, like RPI RPD can be quite misleading when they're doing this ten cent model of come come stay pay. It's the same problem yeah, with yeah, Call yeah. of Duty, right? Know, right? right. No, I, if they don't have the inventory, then yeah. it's not a strong indicator. I, I was looking at so they came in with over thirty characters from the get go, which is more than than Arena Valor and all the other guys, and they're putting two a month, two a month. That's insane. No, no, but like the, the characters are sorry. Are they selling yeah, the characters yeah, yeah. or the typical, they, typical or... mobile model? Like I haven't played Wild Rift, but I assume that they would do the same as League of Legends. Like you have the unlock characters for this week, and then they get locked, and then new characters unlock, and you kind of go back yeah, and, I, and buy them. I'd have to double check. Like, I want to actually play. Let me, for the first day, you, there's there's mm-hmm. there's almost no way to monetize. Yeah. Like you just they just yeah. keep throwing free shit at you the first day. I feel like they're doing a come pay stay like a come pace or come stay pay type of model here, which is what they're used to. And then I think it's gonna be all about their live operations of this, right? Can they can they compete at the same level as Honor of Kings in terms of delivering events and cosmetics? Right, and uh, look, uh, I've not seen it from their other services. All right, let's just be clear Go here: ahead. like this has no chance of doing well in the West, right? Let's just just call a spade a spade, right? Like these games don't do well in the West. I don't care if it's Wild, I don't care if it's League of Legends. I don't think people are going to play this on mobile in the West, right? So the only option they have really around this is Asia, and right now it doesn't look so good in Asia, but maybe it is. Maybe they're just saying, you know, come play, pay, pay later, right? Type shit. Um, well, what's your definition yeah. of not doing well in the West? I mean, I think it's going to do something here. Like how high that scales up, I don't know. But yeah. no, it's going to do like Rune Terra money. Oh God, I hope it. No, it's going to do better than that, dude. That's a disaster. <laughs> It'll do better than that. Dude. <laughs> Come on. Like, I, look, that was. I said that was like the really bad game for last year, but that's a disappointing game for this year. But that, that's a different of scale of disappointment from, from, from Apple. It was game of the year from Apple. Come on, yeah. Okay. Because hey, Apple how about doesn't... how about we we do a we yeah, do a reset? You know, like some of my yeah. some of my previous uh, predictions are a little crazy, but maybe we <laughs> we come back next week or the week after. Yeah, and we, let's we all do a, actually play the game. Sit play down, the game, play it, do some analysis, right? and then we, not just yeah. like no, but, we, but, but, we, we won't do the new zoo buttocks sort of number. <laughs> you know, like predictions. you have to acknowledge your your new zoo buttocks like <laughs> forecast before, Mister Joseph Kim. Right? You can't just get a you can't get a do over, dude. This is not the way it works, right? You're Hey, hey, the game will make more than 500 million in life to date, lifetime, no. forever. No. Let's do a global and a US. We'll do this um, next week. But the most important thing from that whole article is that the dictionary definition from Merriam Webster of hot second is a very brief span of time. <laughs> So now we're okay to move on to the next. Article. Michigan, it's a it's a second language. It's a second language. What do you do? You know, like I'm a foreigner. <laughs> he doesn't understand the vernacular. Yeah. All right, moving on. All right, this is our last article, I believe. Right. So, uh, from the Wall Street Journal, Tencent stresses regulatory compliance as profits from gaming payments surge. So Wall Street Journal is reporting that Tencent's CEO, Pony Ma, emphasized the commitment to working with the regulators during a quarterly earnings briefing. This is amid significantly heightened government scrutiny over China's tech companies. So there's been strong growth in mobile gaming and payments, which drove Tencent to its most profitable year yet. And the Wall Street Journal further noted that Tencent was among several companies 
fined by antitrust regulators in China this month for failing to properly report past acquisitions. Further, China's antitrust committee has been gathering information about Tencent's online payment service WeChat Pay alongside rival Ant Group's Alipay since last year as China really tightens the screws in the payments market. So Pony Ma stated, quote, we are working closely with the government and the regulators on our compliance. In the Wall Street Journal notes that Mr. Ma met with Chinese antitrust regulators proactively and he requested to see them. So Tencent, like many other gaming companies, benefited from the coronavirus pandemic and revenue at the world's biggest video game company reached $73.88 billion in 2020, which was a 28% increase from the previous year. Net profit in the quarter ending this past December also nearly tripled. Honor of Kings, which we just mentioned, was the top grossing mobile game globally for the second year in a row, and its revenue grew 29% year over year in the fourth quarter. So my take on this is as an investor in Alibaba, and I'm yeah. actually a pretty concentrated investor, I got to say all this Chinese government scrutiny really sucks. Yeah, <laughs> my, my, my 10 cent shares are getting freaking <laughs> annihilated, dude. Literally, like every stock has gone up in the past year, except for like Alibaba. So I'm kind of pissed about that. But I think it's going to be important to understand the implications of the Chinese government. And um, we've kind of seen what they've done with Alibaba. And, you know, they literally canceled the Ant IPO and they vanished. <laughs> Alibaba CEO Jack Ma, he just kind of disappeared. So clearly Tencent is worried about making sure that the Chinese regulators, regulators are happy. And, and we found out with Alibaba and Ant that if you're looking at a battle between tech companies and the Chinese government, the government wins. So definitely advise watching out what happens. But what we're seeing with Tencent may have implications on the gaming industry. And if the Chinese government is worried about additional acquisitions and things of that nature, we could start to see that slow down. Any thoughts from you guys? I'm going to stay away from this one. This one's, uh, it's like, it's like a black box. You have no idea what's going to happen in Asia, you know, with these, yeah. these guys. So I'm, I've been an investor in Tencent a long time. Just, I think they just dominate that market and they're not, yeah. they're not held to the same account as the rest of the world. So I just, you know, yeah, it's hard to say, but, uh, we shall see. All right. Well, I think that does it. So we play Wild Rift for the next week. Yeah. And Warpath. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Devin? No, 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 I'm not no, no, playing no. Warpath. Just, I only have time for one game. I've got a baby here, right? One one game. <laughs> <laughs> I got two. You two. don't have to play Warpath. You already know you already know what Warpath is. Like you don't need to play that game. Dude, it's so good. <laughs> Lilith is fuck. Lilith is so good. I'm like I'm not saying they're not good. I'm just saying they make the same. No, game. Lilith is great. I, I think, I think no, Lilith is is amazing. But personally, I've got only enough time for for really one game. And to be honest, Monster Hunter Rise just came out last Friday. That's my jam. Oh, nerd, That's my thing. nerd alert, dude! Oh come on, oh, right, World of Warcraft outsiders, <laughs> dude! You got to play out, outsiders. That's more relevant to your business, outriders, dude. Outriders, outriders. Oh, outriders sorry, yes. outriders, dude! I can't wait, dude. That's coming out. I mean, you're not going to see me for days. That's coming out. Oh, yeah. two days Thursday. You're not going to see me for weeks, man. I'm going to be just fucking grinding. Love that game. <laughs> well, I'm grinding Monster Hunter. So there you go. All right. All right. There it is. See y'all later. Bye. Bye.